Well, my name's Jared, and it's my uh, treat today to get to talk to you about the third part of our series on the Holy Spirit. We've talked about the Holy Spirit being with and in, and today I'll talk about up on. I think God had a big job trying to communicate to us, mortals, infinite, kind of slow on the uptake people, to describe who he is, eternal and infinite. Big job, don't you think? So he chose three little words, prepositions, with, in, and upon, to help us understand what a relationship with this person, this person of God, actually is. Ann and I, just yesterday, were looking at uh, a survey in a recent Christianity Today magazine, a survey of evangelical Christians, a lot like us, and it asked the question, do you believe that the Holy Spirit is a person, a personal part of a Godhead, or a force, an impersonal force? And 58% of the Christians, like us, said, oh, I think he's a force. So we've been wanting to mess with that the last three weeks, and including today, and talk about this person. And how do you describe the most intimate relationship you possibly can with a person? Well, maybe these three prepositions have been helpful. If you're going to go on a long hike on a hot day, you're probably going to take some water with you, aren't you? And isn't it comforting to know that water is with you? Yeah. And then when you get along the way and you're thirsty, what do you do? You put some water where? In you? Unfair, isn't it? We didn't get these from the ushers today on the way in. And then once you get on the top and you're hot and you're excited or you're going to have lunch and you want to watch, you put the water where? On you. Yeah. It's the most intimate way you can describe a relationship. He's with you. He's in you. He's on you. Let's take a look at the Holy Spirit up on today. Pentecost is a Latin word that means 50 days. And it was used to describe the one of the major feasts of the Jews that they celebrated and many religious pilgrims would come to Jerusalem. It was literally celebrated 50 days after Passover. And originally, it was as it was given as a feast by God to the Hebrews, it was to celebrate the first part of the harvest. So when the crops started coming in, they celebrated Pentecost. On the Pentecost that we're going to read about in Acts chapter 2 today, it was similar celebration, except Christians celebrate Pentecost as the birthday of the church. When a bunch of people committed their lives to Jesus Christ and the Holy Spirit came upon them, and I guess it was the beginning of a harvest, metaphorical, of people, 3,000 people launched the birthday of the church. After the resurrection, Jesus appeared to his followers for 40 days, multiple times, multiple places, multiple people. But he had one primary message, the message about the kingdom of heaven. And he shared the message with two primary themes. The first one was, first, he gave us our mission. And we read it in Matthew chapter 28. It says this, Then Jesus said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you. And surely I'm with you always, to the very end of the age. So our mission is clear. It's to make disciples 
as we're going everywhere to help people find and follow Jesus. Maybe you, like I from time to time, wish I knew what God's will was. Have you ever asked that question? God, what do you want me to do? What's your will for me? And in those times of waiting for more specific answers, you can always be assured of this. Today, his will is always that you go help people find and follow Jesus. Now, why did he start by saying, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me? Well, I think it's because he was about to launch them and they were going to be outlawed as Christians by the Roman government. Many of them would be arrested. Some of them would be killed. And Jesus had that experience and came back to life. And so he's saying to them, guess what? That happened to me and I'm alive. All authority has been given to me. The Roman government does not have the final say. I have the final say. And here I am. And I'm going to go with you on this mission. You are being commissioned to me. I don't care who says no. I say go. And I'm with you as we're going. Yeah. So our mission is clear. The second theme Jesus had in those 40 days was he told them to wait. Now, this is curious, isn't it? Go, but wait. Go, but wait. Wait until the Holy Spirit has come upon you with power. Notice it in Acts chapter 1, starting from verse 4, it says, On one occasion, while he was eating with them, he gave them this command. Do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my father promised, which you've heard me speak about. For John baptized with water, but in a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit and you'll receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you'll be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. He's saying like you're going to be my witnesses in the greater Portland area and you're going to be my witnesses in Oregon and the Northwest and you're going to be my witnesses all around the world. Now, that sounds good, doesn't it? Exciting. I'm going to go, but I'm going to wait and I'm going to get power But what am I waiting for? What's that really going to be? Have you ever had to wait for something, but you didn't know exactly what it was? And isn't that usually the worst time of all? Maybe you knew things weren't right with your body, but you're waiting for a diagnosis. It can be the most difficult things of all. And that's what Jesus had them do. Here's your mission, but wait for your power. And then he left. Thank you very much. He went back to the Father. Here's your mission, but wait for power because there's a whole bunch of things that I want to keep doing, but I'm going to do them through you, but you're not good enough to do those on your own. So wait, and when power comes, you're going to do those things, and we're going to do them together because when the Spirit comes, He's going to be with you and in you and upon you. And here's what happened on Pentecost and what it means to you. On that day, they were filled with the Spirit. The story is told in Acts chapter 2. After Jesus' ascension, his disciples spent about the next week or so together, and they're praying and waiting for what Jesus had promised. And so as they're waiting for something they never experienced, and they're absolutely uncertain about that, what that's going to be, this is their story. I'll start reading in Acts 2, verse 1, and we'll kind of skip 
our way through the chapter toward the end. This was their experience. When the day of Pentecost had come, they were all together in one place. And suddenly, a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw what appeared to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. And all of them were filled with the Holy Spirit, began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. Now, they were staying in Jerusalem, God-fearing Jews from every nation under heaven. And when they heard the sound, a crowd came together in bewilderment because each one heard their own language being spoken. Utterly amazed, they asked, aren't these who are speaking Galileans? And then how is it that each of us hears them in our own native language? We hear them declaring the wonders of God in our own tongues. Amazed and perplexed, they asked one another, what does this mean? And some, however, said, ah, made fun of them and said, they've just had too much wine. And then Peter, Peter stood up with the 11, raised his voice and addressed the crowd, fellow Jews, and all of you who live in Jerusalem, let me explain this to you. Listen carefully to what I say. These people aren't drunk, as you suppose. It's, it's only nine in the morning. No, this, this was what was spoken by the prophet Joel. In the last days, God says, I will pour out my spirit on all people. Your sons and your daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions. Your old men will dream dreams. Even on my servants, both men and women, I will pour out my spirit in those days and they will prophesy. Oh, and the people heard this. They were cut to the heart and said to Peter and the other apostles, Brothers, what shall we do? Peter replied, Repent. Be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the Holy Spirit. And this promise is for you and your children and for all who are fall off, from whom the Lord our God will call. Wow. Pentecost. On Sunday, they were all together in one place, and suddenly they heard a Sound like a violent wind, and it filled the whole house. You ever heard a violent wind? Some of you will remember December 2nd and 3rd, 2007, the storm called the Great Coastal Gust. It was. Gusts on the Oregon coast of up to 130 miles per hour. Anne and her mom and her aunt were at the coast. They had arrived the day before. They heard the sound of a violent wind for a long time <clears throat> in those coastal towns, including Manzanita. The trees were blown over. The electricity went out. Other services went out. Cell coverage went out. In fact, one of the stores in town that was losing uh, its uh, frozen uh, food inventory because the freezers, of course, and the, the coolers were out of electricity uh, through a big party every night. So everybody that could climb over the trees on the streets to make it down to the store had a big barbecue. Well, they were having fun, I guess. I was worried sick for my wife, and after not hearing from her for three days, I talked to a friend that owned a helicopter and flies, and, and he said, I'll fly you right over. And I said, well, let's give it one more day. And, and that fourth day, I finally heard from Ann. 
You've been in those times. The the storm is violent. The wind comes through. You wonder if the place is going to stay together. What do you think you're giving your attention to? Not Skittles. (laughs) The sound of a violent wind. They heard something. And they saw something. This fireball comes into the middle of this house. and, And this big flame of fire begins to separate into small flames and those flames come upon and hover over people. They heard something. They saw something. and They experienced something. The Holy Spirit came up on them and filled them. They were all filled with the Spirit and they began to speak in other languages, languages they had never learned. Now, Jesus promised that he would give them power to fulfill his mission. And what was his mission? To help people everywhere find and follow Jesus. His mission is for us to tell the Jesus story, his life, resurrection, and death. And the power of the Holy Spirit was to come upon them to help them fulfill that mission, to be his witnesses. And boy, did that power ever come in the form of them being able to speak languages that they had never learned, that were understood by the pilgrims who had come to town, that power of the Spirit was immediately put to work. And what it means to us today are three big things, and I want to give you these three takeaways in the rest of our time together. Number one, there's more of God to be experienced. God wants you to be filled with his spirit. And notice, this is not only a promise, you will receive power, but it is a command. You'd better do it. It's in Ephesians chapter 5, verse 18, that Paul says, be filled with the spirit. So it's a promise and it's a command. And it's imperative there, that command. So it's a command to us. And it's in present tense. And so it could be stated, be being filled with the Spirit all the time. It's a promise and it's a command. So what's the goal? To be filled. And why are we filled? To share the Jesus story. And what's the Jesus story? It's the good news of his life and death and resurrection. Paul says, I want you to be full of God. Not just as full as you can be. That would be self-actualization. I want you to be as full as God is. It's not just your bucket on the edge of the ocean, but it's the ocean. I want you to be, this is one of Paul's prayers, I want you to be filled with the fullness of, of God himself. Wow. That's the goal. So no matter how much of God you have, there's more. And why do I need more? Because I'm a leaky bucket. And some of you are too. I was a sieve yesterday. We decided to upgrade our Comcast service and get new boxes in our house. I don't even need to tell the story. They came. I think there was demons hopping on them when they came. I could just... I have been through Comcast purgatory several times and... I only name them because they're a near monopoly. And if that's the case, you deserve to be mentioned. And this is just my experience. I'm not putting this on you, but I was one leaky bucket. Finally, middle of the afternoon, I said to Ann, Ann, this is on my project list today. I think I'm going to start. You know, wish me well. 
I think she went into fasting and prayer for me right then. <laughs> you know the story. 30 minutes later, I not only followed the instructions and it didn't work, I went online and looked at those instructions and repeated them, and then I actually went on and watched a video visual, and I did it. 30 minutes later, I called for help. I went through the series of non-helpful electronic people and finally, <laughs> finally got to the real-life, well-intended but unhelpful person. And he <laughs> listened to my story and very kindly said, Mr. Roth, I'm so sorry you're having that experience. Let me transfer you to someone that will start this whole process. and we can try. You know the story. Three and a half hours, three people later. Now, the last person was very kind. She should, she should make a lot of money because she's masterful in her interpersonal communication skills. But at the end of our conversation, three and a half hours in, at the end of the conversation, she said, Mr. Roth, I have some good news for you. First of all, I'm very proud of you. And I thought to myself, did I call my mom? (laughs) Very proud of you, Mr. Roth. She said, I've been listening and you've been working very hard. Thank you. I have. She said, the next piece of good news is you don't have to work hard today. Really, I said. She said, yes, because the problem you're having is actually a feed problem into your house, and neither you nor I can solve that. So we're going to arrange for a technician to come. And for a mere $70, he can see if he can help you. Yes, this is a quote. In fact, this morning before I came to church, they had already sent me the bill for the $70. And I was a bad enough leaky bucket yesterday. I really needed some serious refilling today. Folks, there's more of God to be experienced. And aren't you happy for that? And aren't you happy if you live with people that they have more of God they can experience as well? Because I'll tell you what it looks like for Jared. I'm a Pentecostal. I speak in tongues, part of my daily devotional life. And occasionally that happens in a smaller group, public setting where someone interprets. And I believe that Jesus wants to baptize us with the Holy Spirit and tongues and prophecy were two of the things that often happen for people. I have a lot of Pentecostal friends. And many of them, when I, when I ask, are you spirit-filled? They say, oh, yes. And then they go way back into ancient history and they dust off some experience and they tell me about how they were filled with the Spirit back there. And I said, are you filled with the Spirit today? Well, yes. And for them, it's a historic event that happened for them. And what I say to them is, don't you know that there's more? There's more. Yeah. I'm also an evangelical. I'm kind of a theological mutt. You've already picked that up, but now I finally confessed it and come clean to you. And a lot of evangelical friends and some of them say, you know, I don't believe that those gifts that are mentioned or others that were so active in the New Testament, I don't think that those gifts are for today. Or others would say, I think that they may be for today, but they may be for others. And some would say, I've got all of them that I want. My bucket is full. I really don't care to have those experiences as well. And when I, when I engage people and they want to argue about those things, my comment to, the, to all of them is the same. There's more. I don't really care about your dusty theological boxes that God doesn't tend to live well in, nor do I care a whole lot about your dusty historic experience. The whole point of this is there's more. There's fresh fullness today. So don't decide if your bucket is full. Decide how big the ocean is. And Paul's prayer is that we would be filled with God himself to the measure of Christ. There's more. This is great news. It's kind of like 
saying the best posture for a Christian is to pray, God, fill me. And to make that our prayer every day, fill me with you. Because when our posture is open and seeking, he responds and there's more. Ann and I got to go to uh, the Evergreen men's basketball game this week. And uh, that was really fun for us. And uh, you guys, I'm just amazed. I mean, you are impressive. On the way home, Ann and I were laughing about me because it evoked a few memories of back in the day. Uh, I used to be a part of uh, a church basketball league. I don't know who ever thought of that idea. It was not a good one. And I'm referring to both, me playing on a basketball team <laughs> and playing in a church league. Well, one time we were playing with, uh, against another church, and uh, our church you know, was kind of known to be Pentecostal, and so we were spirit-filled. And so I'm the, I'm the spirit-filled pastor, right? And we were playing against the church, and their theological construct about the work of the Spirit is that you can become entirely sanctified. So the spirit-filled pastor was playing against the entirely sanctified pastor. You see where this is going? Yeah. And the two of us were matched up, and we were guarding each other the whole game. And shortly into the second half, both of us were thrown out by the ref. Yeah. The spirit-filled guy and the entirely sanctified guy could not make it through a basketball game together. I'm a leaky bucket, folks. I need this more of God to be experienced thing. And when I talk to people, I say, why don't you join me in my prayer? Fill me, Lord. What do you think the people on the day of Pentecost expected to happen? They expected to be filled, and they had no idea what that would look like, sound like, feel like. They just showed up and said, fill me, Lord. And guess what God does? He takes us seriously, and he actually does what he wants to do in us. Is that amazing? How do you fill your gas tank? Oh, I know. I've seen how you do it. Of course. This is Dennis. He goes down to the gas station, and he drives around the outside of it. And he yells at the attendant, and he says, Fill it up with regular! And the attendant stands there with a the nozzle and tries to spray Dennis's car. And Dennis is hoping that if he goes around enough times, a little bit of that gas will get in that tiny little hole, and it'll fill it up, right? Is that how you fill your car? No. Not unless you're Dennis. I love Dennis, what do you do? You drive to the gas station. You pull up and you what? You stop and you wait. Especially in Oregon, we wait, right? <laughs> sometimes we wait and wait. I think sometimes we try to be filled with God on the run. And on the run, we go, hey, oh yeah, fill me up, fill me up. And God's saying, I'd like to, I'd like to. Can you slow down and wait for just a minute? Just a minute, just a minute. What did he tell them to do? Wait. Wait. Stop and wait. And you'll be filled with power from the Holy Spirit. Yeah. So get along, alone with God every day, and just hold still. Do what He told them to do. Those who seek, find. Those who wait are filled because, folks, there's more. There's more to God, there's more of Him to be experienced. And the second of three takeaways for you is this. There's more power to do God's work. You ever been in a situation, you haven't known exactly what to say, it feels awkward. Someone asks you to do something, you don't know what you should do, you're uncertain. That's how we live every day. Of course we need the Holy Spirit. 
In fact, Jesus said that the Holy Spirit would find us in those tough spots and would give us precisely the words to say. And here's what he said again in Acts 1.8 about his power. He said, I quote, You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you will be my witnesses. So he gives us the power to be Jesus' witnesses. He gives us power to live the life of Jesus in love toward others. Jesus said that the Holy Spirit would give us exactly the words to say when we're on the spot. And there's more. There's a lot more of God's work to be done on this broken planet. There's a lot more of God's love to be brought to people who are as dry as a sponge without love. There's a lot more healing to be done for people who are hurting. There's a lot more wisdom to come to people who are confused. There's a lot more that's needed. And there's a lot more of God's power to help you partner with that work of Jesus. There's more power to do the work of God filled with his spirit. And here's the cool thing. He is not just planning to make you the best version of you. Now, Sarah hopes that Ben becomes the best version of Ben. And we do too. But this is what's amazing. This does not look like self-actualization. This looks like God living in and through you. So that what he does is so beyond you, you may not even know that he's flowing through you. Hmm. I told this story on another occasion, so some of you may recall it, but I was uh, in college. I was overseeing a house of college students. There were 32 men and 32 women. Most of us, half of us lived in an old fraternity, and the other half lived in apartments in an apartment building next door. This is back in the day. I know I'm dating myself. All 64 of us students shared one phone. And the phone was right inside the foyer of the uh, old fraternity house, and the, the rule was whoever is physically closest to the phone answers it when it rings, without exception. And then you go find the person or take a message. Well, I walked back in the house in the middle of the afternoon. No one was there. Most of the students were studying away from campus. And the phone rang. And if I wouldn't have been afraid that I might get caught and I was supposed to be the leader here and set the example, I might have gone on by. But I answered the phone. Not one of my better days, Leaky Jared. And, and it was for one of the women who lived in one of the apartments. I was disgusted. I put the phone down. I went out of the house, down the street, up the apartments, up, up the steps, and finally to her door and banged on the door. Like I suspected, no one was there. I was irritated, and I decided, I'm going to show that door. Boom, 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 boom. Get pounded on the door. Boom, 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 boom. I know some of you are just shocked. You're never going to come to church here again. <laughs> it's an old, old story. I'm better. Oh, that Comcast story was yesterday. <laughs> well, the door opened. But much to my surprise, I had been knocking on the wrong door. <laughs> and he did not look happy. <clears throat> now, I knew him. Uh, he uh, was a part of the house, in fact. He had been one of my roommates. He was a linebacker uh, for the Ducks. <laughs> and I had never seen him look so mad or wild. His hair was just crazy, and his eyes were bloodshot and angry looking, and he just opened the door and stared without blinking. Afraid for my life. I apologized profusely. assured him that it was a mistake and please go back and take a nap or whatever the thing was. And I kind of pulled the door shut. Went next door, knocked on the right door. She was not home. Went back and finished the call. Didn't think anything about it. Till that night, <clears throat> I was in my room. He came by, came, sat down on my bed and said, 
Jared, I want to talk to you about you coming over to my apartment today. I thought, here it is. Say my prayers, you know, whatever. <laughs> this could be the end. He shut me up and he said, uh, <clears throat> I decided to take my life today. So this afternoon, I had uh, loaded uh, my gun. I had a round in the chamber and I was putting the pistol in my mouth. And I said to God, if you don't want me to do this, you have to give me a sign. And he said, when you knocked on the door, I said to God, it has to be a bigger sign than that. And you pounded on the door. Yeah. See, Jesus didn't plan to give you power so you'd be cool. Do tricks. One-up some other Christians about what you're able to do. Show off. Feel good about yourself. Confirm your spirituality. He only had one message for 40 days. The message of the kingdom of God. It's coming. Be ready. And here's the deal. I'm giving you my mission to pursue and I'm giving you my power to do it as my kingdom comes and I'm the king on earth. That's what this is all about. You having the power to partner in his mission. And so we've learned today that first there's more of God to experience this week. Second, we've learned that there's more of God's power this week. And the third takeaway is this. There's more to Jesus' story, and you are in it. The Jesus story didn't finish when the Spirit came. That was only the beginning. Pentecost was the beginning of the harvest, and you're in it. Notice in Acts chapter 2 these words, sons and daughters. It says that your sons and daughters are going to proclaim my message. Notice young and old, visions and dreams are going to be had by the young and old. Notice men and women, sons and daughters, young and old, men and women. Who does that exclude? Martians. That's about it. You're in this story. It includes everybody. You're never too young. You're never too old. Men and women, everyone's included. The book of Acts in the New Testament is the story of the birth of the church, the first 30 to 40 years, and it ends with Acts chapter 28. But the story is continuing and you're in it. You're in Acts 29. The first 28 chapters just set it up for kind of how it looked then. But it tells us why 120 fearful people had changed to dominating the Roman Empire in 300 years. How a small group of people could have such a strong influence. Why? Because everybody was filled. Everybody was involved. Everybody was engaged. And we are writing the Jesus story this week in our world. And I want my chapter to be a good one, don't you? I want my chapter, like yours, to be filled with, you know, he just had the right thing to say at the right time. He just came with the right kind of encouragement. He just came with the right kind of challenge. He just knew the right thing to do. And show up with chapters in my story that I didn't even know I was a part of. Because God moved in and through me in ways I didn't even know. 
And this is what Jesus said in Luke chapter 13. If you then, though you are evil, give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father who is in heaven give the gift of the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? Here's the deal. If you ask, he'll give. And if he gives, you'll receive. Will you speak in tongues? I don't know. They didn't know. Will you prophesy? I don't know. They didn't. I hope you do both. Many of them did. And I hope over time you do a whole lot more. Because there's more. There's always more. This one thing I know is that while we can't predict what God will do with you, that Jesus promised to fill you. And when he fills you, you'll have the power to do God's work. And so we ask with expectancy. And when we wait, he fills. In the next few days, there's going to be several opportunities to wait. Next, next Saturday, there's going to be a, a three-quarter day seminar about Jesus. And it's called Daily Jesus. For some of you, it's when you're going to decide to take three quarters of a day and you're going you're gonna to wait. It's going to be active. You're going to be engaged. But you're just going to set aside some time to be with him. Next Sunday evening at 5 o'clock, we're going to have an hour of worship. We're going to invite kids that are first grade and older to join the rest, be here with parents and grandparents. We're going to have intergenerational worship. Marley and the band are going to lead us in an hour of worship. It's going to be a time of waiting. Hmm. At the end of this service, in just a few minutes, we've invited several of the elders in the church, men and women, to come. And they're just going to, as the rest of us are dismissed, stand here in front by these steps for any of you that would like to come and pray with them and have them pray for you about anything in your life. It's a way of waiting. And right now, all of us are going to wait. As Marley sings this song, as the band plays, would you receive this as a gift? And would you make it a part? of your inviting fullness.